We'll go back to officially unofficial. I'm your host, the former face of junior college baseball, the fall American Johnny Junta, and we're here with a special guest. He is a former Texas A&M Aggie, a fourth-round draft pick by the Atlanta Braves, our boy, Casey Kalich. What's up, Casey? How's it going? Did I say that last name correct? Let's, uh, let's get that out of the way. No, it's pronounced Colic. Colic. Casey Colic. All right, you hate to see it. And the, cra- <laughs> the crazy thing is, I legitimately just asked you before this how to say the last name, and I still butchered it. So go show like, the, the professionality with this podcast. Thank you for hopping yeah, on, man. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me, man. And let's break the ice here because let, let me give a little background of our friendship here. You actually followed the podcast first. One of the fans of the show, you just love to see that. Where did, how did you find the podcast? Was it just scrolling through your Twitter timeline or what happened here? Um, no, I was actually talking with Nolan Kingham at spring training and he had mentioned it. And so I went on Twitter and I followed and then I saw some of the guys that you had on. And then, um, I also watched, uh, Forrest Whitley and Kyle Mullers. Okay. Which is hilarious. So Nolan Kingham was the plug. I mean, he's, yeah. the, he's the plug, man. That's my boy. And honestly, it's his birthday today, but this episode will be dropping on Thursday. But it's his birthday today, so we'll just extend our birthday shout-out, birthday week, to Nolan Kingham, one of the top 10 guests ever on this show. You just love to see it. Let's talk about Nolan for a second because it's his birthday. All right? <laughs> what, is, um, what is Nolan like in the clubhouse? He's funny, man. He brings a, he brings a different energy that's not really a lot of people can bring, and it's, uh, it's always a good time around him. First time I met him was probably one of the most funny and, uh, I guess, spontaneous meetings I've ever had with somebody. <laughs> but, um, no, he's a funny guy. He's a good guy. He's hilarious. What's a, what's a funny story you have about him, man? I mean, like, is he just – because obviously with me and all our buddies, like, he's just a loud dude. Like, he just – he's loud. He loves he, – he's lo- I kind of like the face of the party, right? I mean – Everyone's yeah. kind of circled around him. He's hilarious. Is that what he's kind of like in the locker room? Yeah, of course. He just always has that – he has a different punchline every day to come back with something, and it's just something you can't compete with. He is. I mean, he's an electric factory, and it's – um, he carved last year too, which also helps, I guess, when you have – I believe it was four complete games. So, that, I mean, that yeah. doesn't suck for sure. That does not suck. And he no, went to no. Texas. He went to Texas, played for the Longhorns, which is, I guess, we could say a rivalry of yours. Have yeah, you ever, we, and, uh, let's, and let's be honest here. Have you ever done the horns down? Be honest. We need, like, this is a trust consistently. circle. You've consistently done the horns down. Why? We, we bleed maroon in this family. My granddad played basketball at A&M in the late, or early 70s. Really? Yeah. So it was easy for you to commit to Texas A&M. It was like pretty much like I'm going here or my family's going to literally hate me. Was it pretty much that? <laughs> it, it wasn't that, but um, no, I've, I've always grown up around College Station. It's an amazing, it's amazing town. Uh, A&M's an amazing campus, and it's an atmosphere that not a lot of people will ever be able to uh, experience, but it's, it's one in a million, man. Oh, I really – like, I've never been to College Station, but I, just the name College Station for me just kind of just gets me fired up. Like, it's just in the name. It just sounds like – it just sounds so cool, like College Station. It sounds yeah, like a, Narnia or some shit. Like it just sounds like <laughs> like a mystical um, place. Yeah, if you uh, if you go to A and M, that's surely what it feels like. It's well, it's uh it's an amazing place. It's a special place. What's the college game days there like, man? I mean, it just it seems Crazy. so cool because I mean they're not like last year they weren't really that good, but is it just like a like a I, I call it an idiot zone? Like it's just so fun. There's everything to do there. Yeah, there's just there's much there's so much to do on game days. Um, usually, as the baseball team, we would go and we'd have our own tailgates with families that we know, and then about an hour before game time, we would head over to uh, frats tailgates, hang out with other buddies around campus, and then of course go into Kyle Field where it all where the magic happens. And the magic does happen there. Some uh, a couple of years ago, it did. I mean, you got had a you guys had a guy by the name of Johnny Manzel. What yeah. was that guy like at that school? Because I don't know, you, you probably didn't go there when he was there, but yeah, I wasn't. I was too young to get there. But um, from my sister was there in College Station when he was around, and uh, he was a legend. But he was also not in the right mindset. 
for an athlete at least with yeah. his with his kind of represent, or representation and a lot of people knew who he was but he didn't hold him hold himself to uh to that high of a standard but um amazing athlete sad to see what had happened with him yeah and do you think like it's even more crazier how well he did there based off the fact that he just got after it every single day would just be booze and having a good time and still managed to just be the most electric quarterback in college football. Cause for me, that's incredible. The fact that he did what he did there while he wasn't, I guess, fully, fully focused on the game of football, right? It's kind of impressive for me, at least the guy that's a fan. Yeah, that's, that's pure talent. Um, <laughs> It seriously is. He's a freak of nature. Have you heard any stories of him? Like any, any like from the old teammates you had or anything like that? No, not really. A lot of the guys that were there when I was there, uh, he was before their time. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's just one of the kinds. Like, I, what I can compare him to is like what Joe Burrow was without a, without a national championship. Like he just took – like if you watch his college football highlights, it's insane what this guy did on a football field. I mean, oh, I yeah. used, when I was in Nebraska, I would literally just some, – some days I get bored, I would just watch Johnny Manziel highlights because it was the coolest shit ever. It re- he just took the world by storm, man. He's a superstar yeah, there. And um, who would you say he's one of the biggest superstars that went, out, went to that school – in, in the history of Texas A&M, or is there any other guys you can compare him to? Uh, yeah, he's one of the biggest ones. Another one would obviously be Von Miller. Oh, my God, yeah. yeah. Another amazing athlete. And then, uh, of course, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, dude. You guys, I mean, Texas A&M just produces a bunch of studs. I mean, we're going to add you to the mix, too. We're going to add you to the mix of studs. You just love to see it. And let's go into the baseball there at Texas A&M, man. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I, before this interview, because we've, we've never had a Texas A&M guy, so we kind of molded. We broke – I mean, this is, this is a record here. We're just – I mean, this is electric. It's the first ever Texas A&M guy. So we can just talk about anything at this school because no one really knows of listeners of this podcast. What is Texas yeah. A&M baseball like? How electric is that atmosphere? Okay, now that, that's a whole different story. Um that's where the real magic happens, a.k.a. Olsen magic. There it is. Um, no, the atmosphere there is honestly probably the best in college baseball. I mean, we have, we have a whole section called Section 203, which is basically all the baseball heads. That's all the people who are there pretty much every game, even during midweeks whenever we have two midweek games. Um, it's electrifying. It honestly is. Uh, it's one in a million. And it's, it's funny because a lot of people that don't really go to A&M or don't really know about A&M won't really understand. But once you go there and see how everything just comes to life when game time comes around, it's, it's honestly uh, – it's electrifying. It's, it's breathtaking. What was your first, I guess – encounter at Texas A&M where you're pitching, right? You're pitching one of the, you're pitching and you're like, you look around the stadium and you're like, holy shit, man. Like I am playing for Texas A&M, the school that my grandfather went to for basketball. My family has roots here and I'm on the mound pitching at pretty much my dream school. When did you have that moment? And by the way, what a question by me. You just, you can't, you can't script <laughs> that. Question. An Huge electric question. question. Electric question. Um, it was probably first SEC opening series against Vanderbilt, game two. Ninth inning, bases loaded, one out. Okay. Wow. What a scene. What a scene. Tied ball game 7-7. Seven, seven, and their number one hole and two hole are coming up. And it kind of just took a step off the mound, took a breath, took everything in, and then went to punch out two Ks to take us into the bottom of the ninth. And win it on a walk-off hit. Wow. Kind of a Cinderella story. Well, I and let me say that. I usually make clips for the podcast. I'm going to clip that. That is as electric as it gets. And if Texas A&M Baseball doesn't retweet that, they hate me. Plain and simple. <laughs> because like I said, LSU Baseball has never retweeted this podcast. We've had a couple SEC guys. Missouri's never retweeted this. So, LSU, I mean, so Texas A&M has a chance here to win the hearts of myself. 
as well as the fans yeah. of the show. If they don't retweet, if they don't retweet that story, that story makes me want to run through a brick wall. It's plain and simple. I mean, you're going against the best school, the Naughty Champs, as of last year, and you just yeah. carve on the mound. And and how bad do you think it sucks to be an opposing player at a Texas A&M home game? It must just be shitty. What are the fans like, man? Are they just roasting kids? Like, what's that? Uh, like? Yeah, they they roast, but not in a real harsh way. It's just it's so loud, and um, it's kind of like football games. There's always chance that everybody knows, and everybody knows when they're coming. It's like ball four. I don't know if you saw. I think it yes. was in 2017, wow. the College World Series against TCU. They got to ball 12. Really? Oh, yeah, dude, and they did. Regional. I saw that. Super regional. I saw that. I saw that. That is like talking about, like, talk about putting a pitcher's head in a mental pretzel. You're chanting his balls. I would, I'd make it to ball 24. Plans if there's always doing that to me, me, I'm, I'm, I'm just a mental idiot, I'd make it to ball 24. It just, there's no way you can't make it to ball 24 in that situation. And how yeah. they, and do, and here's a serious question. How they ragged on the guys that play there? Like, let's say the home guys are struggling a bit. Do they kind of get on you guys a little bit? Uh, no, they they honestly try and keep momentum on our side as much as possible. Um, and another kind of quirky thing they do is whenever people have walk-up songs, Section 203 always tries to find some way of – it's kind of like the batter's call sign or someone's call sign. Like with Braden Shoemake, whenever he came to – of course, he walked out to an amazing song, Soul Survivor. Wow. Um, they would always take off a shoe or they would have a shoe and they would wave it in the air. I mean, they, they tried to keep themselves as um, kind of in tune with the game and they try and make connections with us mid-game without us really even knowing it or trying. Wow. Well, I mean, you if there's a recruit listening to this podcast right now, they're saying, I'm going to Texas A&M. It just, I mean, it's pretty, I mean, obviously it's a pretty easy decision to make. If, if you're, if you just maybe go to one game or just look at the facilities, it's a pretty easy decision to make. Oh yeah. Top notch facilities for sure. It's just, and maybe you should post career, maybe become like maybe a recruiting coordinator there because you have me wanting to go there and I hit 185 in junior college. Like I'm just dialed in <laughs> to go there. It just, it's, it sounds like an electric school, man. What was your walkout song? So my walkout song that year was "Burn It to the Ground" by Nickelback. Let's go! Showing, showing. I mean, the Canadians. You're showing love to Canada, man. We love that. We love that. How fired I... up? How fired up did that get you? That song just fires me up all the time. Yeah, it it always fired me up. I I caught a little bit of heat from it. Not a lot of people liked it, but I mean, it wasn't about what they really liked. It was more so what got me heated up and ready to go. Got the adrenaline pumping. What's what part of it did it start? Was it like the ticking like a time bomb? What 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 what's what part started right from the for get-go. you? Right from the get go, from the beginning guitar riff and everything, dude. And you have a little bit of Canada in you, man. I mean, we just need to slap, <laughs> we just need to slap some jorts on you, and you'll just pretty much be a Canadian. Like that's what I'm saying. I don't know if you've seen the jorts that I kind of wear on Twitter or anything like that, but no. But my grandpa lives in Michigan, so I know jorts. Okay. Oh, so you, I mean, like I said, man, you're closer to us than you think, even though you're from Texas Yeah, and, and being from Texas, like what's the town that you're in kind of like, and was part of you during the recruiting process, even slightly thinking I'm going to go to school out of state here just to kind of see what it's like around the country. Oh, to start off with the beginning of that, I come from a small town of probably only a hundred thousand people in South Texas, uh, Victoria, Texas to be exact. Um, but yeah, there was there was a little bit of me that might have wanted to go out of state. Um, coming out of high school, I had um, some interest from Stanford. Wow. Um, but uh, I went to an A and M camp. My, I think so in like January, the beginning of spring of my senior year, and I dealed up there. I did good from what I've thought but they didn't think I was quite there but I talked with Childress and he was like hey man go the Juco route which Juco Bandit I'm all about let's go so and so I went to Blinn Junior College which is about 20 miles south of College Station in small town of Blinn yeah um did my thing for a year there uh put some velo on put some weight on and uh 
in the summer I was playing in the TCL, the Texas Collegiate League here in Victoria while working. And sure enough, Childress hit me up and was like, hey, man, I want to come watch you. Um, had a good year at Blinn, want to see what you're about. And so he came for a game, threw six shutout innings, and then next day I was – next couple of days I was on the road up to A&M to go visit and talk, and then sure enough, there it was. I mean, what a story. Well, I, you just love to see that. A Juco bandit going to Texas A&M, just another, another staple – and the fact that going the JUCO route's the way to go. And let's talk about that JUCO, man, because Blinn College, what a school in a small-ass town, just the trenches, the trenches of JUCO. What was your JUCO experience yes. like? Um, it was honestly probably the best decision I've made. Um, a lot of people nowadays are like, oh, they need to go D1 right out of high school, and I'm completely against that. Junior college is where you find out what you're made of. You find out your work ethic. Because, I mean, you're competing there against 20 other pitchers or 30 other position players trying to fight for a spot. And so I had, I had nothing but great times there. I made a lot of good friendships, a lot of lifelong friendships, met a lot of great guys. Um, it's honestly a grind. The bus rides were hell, hell on earth. Or hell, yeah, for sure. Especially eight hours to Laredo, Texas in 107-degree heat in a bus that doesn't have AC. You're kind of uh, – you're losing pounds that entire trip. Dude, it's just – what like what, okay, let's go into it. What's your funniest story about JUCO? Because mine – I mean, I've told, I've told multiple stories, but I don't think I've told this one. Um, my team was uh, – we were playing in Montana. And we were obviously a school from Nebraska, 16-hour drive, first of all. So we just soaked the 16-hour oh, drive Lord. in one day, which might be illegal. I don't know if that's illegal to have a one bus driver for that. <laughs> it's, it should it's, be illegal. It's I'll tell you that much. illegal. It is hot as shit on this bus. Not one person's wearing a shirt. It looks like a gigolo male prostitute bus <laughs> riding through the U.S. of A. So anyways, we get there. And – I think our team was playing bad. We're playing terrible. And our coach gets tossed from game one, right? And in the, before mm -hmm. he got tossed, him and this kid are just going at it, like on my team. Like they're just yelling at each other, just roasting each other about something. And the uh -huh. kid got tossed first, and the coach is like, go sit on the damn bus. So the kid's sitting on the bus, right? Because you can't go anywhere else, and you get tossed. And then an inning yeah. later, my coach gets tossed. So in the middle of their fight, they're both tossed. And they're on the bus with each other. Like, it must be the most awkward <laughs> shit ever. Anyways, we get swept and then have to no shower, go right back on the bus, and drive all the way back to Nebraska after getting a six-game sweep in, in Montana. It was the worst shit of all time. Jeez. So what's, like that? what's a story, funny story like that for you, just where you're like, I'm in JUCO right now. I'm not at Texas a Um. We didn't really have any kind of true funny stories like that. I mean, we had a lot of respect for our coaches. Um, but there, there was a couple times where we had some guys uh, take some of the quotes from our head coach and put them on a shirt and wore them to the locker room. Well, let's hear a quote. <laughs> his, favorite thing, his favorite thing to say was, sorry about sorry it. Sorry about that it. That was his sarcastic way of, like, saying no one cares about your feelings. And so one of the guys put his face on a shirt and put that quote <laughs> and wore it to the locker room. That is a – I mean, see, that's the funny thing because if you have a coach that can kind of take it like that, that's what makes a baseball team so good. It just kind of adds to the gel of it. And what, what was the coach's reaction like, this is, this is hilarious? He, he thought it was pretty funny. Um, but uh, practice was a little bit tougher that oh, day. Oh, for sure. I mean – and. This is based off of what I think because when you're playing for a junior college anywhere in the country besides Texas, you kind of look at these Texas schools like San Jack, Blinn, oh my and gosh. you're like, these guys are freaks of nature. Like, it just you, – you guys, it's just crazy looking at how nasty some of these JUCOs are because they have like 80 Division One commits on each team. Like, tech, yeah. describe all, like to the people who don't really understand that much about JUCO how hard – the Texas Juco is because to me it's up there with like division one NCAA on talent wise. Right. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, we had, we had in our division, we had San Jack who was pretty much our biggest rival 
And then also in the fall or midweek game, we also played McLennan, oh which McLennan God. is no producing studs out of Waco. Um, the JUCO route in Texas is honestly very high level. That's, that's where a lot of guys that could go D1 but want to go to the draft, they go to those schools. Yeah. No, like – and I think there was a guy that got drafted in the first round last year that went to San Jack. Am I correct? I believe so. I can't remember his name, but I think it was a big righty. Yeah, and he just threw – just threw stupid. Or lefty. He just threw stupid gas. I, I, yeah, it was a lefty that threw 100. I couldn't remember his name. Yeah. But he was a freak of nature as well. Dude, it's like – the Texas Juke, and I hate those parents that say D1 or bust because they're idiots. If you're son, yeah, there's no shot. in Juco, there is literally no rules. Like, the coach can run you for hours. There's no limit on practice. Oh, my gosh. I mean, in the fall, fall through spring, we spent four hours a day on the field practicing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, dude, it's year-round. You're looking at your buddies. You're like – yeah, it's, you're doing the real life gift. I'm tired, Grandpa, and then the Grandpa's like, "Too damn bad." That's what. That's what. Te- yeah. That's what. That's what JUCO's like, man. They don't give a shit. That's a hundred percent JUCO, man. They have no restrictions on how much time they have with you. They'll keep you out there from twelve to seven if they wanted to. They they really will, because I remember we'd have like proxies. We'd be like there for like three hours, and I'd be looking around, I'd be like. Is this gonna end like any time today? Like, and then we'd go to the weight room right after and do a hell workout. And did you guys have oh a hell gosh, week? Did yeah. you guys have a hell week at JUCO? No, but we had multiple A uh, and M. We had a thing called the program, and then we also had boot camp. Oh my god, I'd, I'd quit on the spot. What was that like? Oh my gosh, man! So, so boot camp always comes late fall early spring and um, it's about two weeks of just intense, just competition. So when I was there, it was just the pitchers and we always had this thing where we'd talk to hitters and they would always come and watch. They would go sit in the dugout. And so as we're doing this stuff, as we're doing our warm up lap around the, the warning track, it's always, uh, if you want to watch, you can participate. If not, yeah, get out, like yeah. go home. And so it was just a lot of – there was broken up into teams. So there was three four-man teams – or four four-man teams. And you'd have team competitions, and then you'd have single competitions. So just mano y mano. And whoever had the most points at the end of this, they didn't have to do a payout. Then second place only had to do a little bit of payout. Third place had to do a little bit more. And fourth place, man, you're in the bucket. You're done. <laughs> you're, in the, you're in the barrel. And uh, you have a hard payout, so that's like log rolls, bear crawls, duck walks, sprints, abs, all kinds of stuff. Oh, my God. It's like Navy SEAL training. That's the program. The program, they have ex-special forces that basically do a week-long training program where it's supposed to build team chemistry, communication, and bonding. And – the first day they had us out there and they had us get into basically like when you're going into the military, you have your training, your pre-military training. That's what it was. We had to do military push-ups, sit-ups, jumping jacks, all that stuff. But you had to stay in perfect lines. It was just everything. And if you did something wrong, you started over. One time we were out there from one, from two o'clock in the evening, trying to properly blow up these life rafts for a later um, task that we had to do. And you had to blow them up in a certain amount of time. And so you're not using an electric pump. You're having those foot pumps. Oh my God. And you have to have it completely aired up. You have to have paddles that you cannot let go of. You basically, you hold onto these paddles for the whole week. You take them to class, you take them everywhere. If they catch you without the paddles, they'll take it away from you. And that's another point deducted from your team from the final payout. Oh my god! Like it was crazy. We did ab circuits, we did running circuits, and then the final day we had to be up at the field at two thirty in the morning. We had to ba- have a backpack full of supplies and different stuff that they gave us. And if somebody does not have that supply, it's deducted time. Oh my god! So then from there we had to hop in vehicles and take. Every vehicle had specific stuff they had to take, so they had to take the raft the air ups, the 
life vests, the rows, all that stuff. And we went out to Traditions Golf Course, which is where A&M's golf courses or golf teams practice. And we went out there. And so we spent about an hour and a half at 3.30 in the morning trying to put on these life vests perfectly. And it sounds so stupid, but I swear it is so hard because one person is guiding the entire team or your squad. Yeah. And so whenever we didn't do it right, shoot, we were – Went to the sand traps. Oh, my. We did snow angels in the sand traps. We rolled around. You had to take sand and rub it over the guy to your right, the guy to your left, on yourself. You had to run and dive in. Then you got in the wet grass. You were doing barrel rolls, all kinds of crap, man. We were just – we were in it. We were in the cut right there. How many people, like, would you say over under five quit? halfway through that where they're like i'm basically i don't like none not one person the whole your whole time there no no one quit see that's the thing man because in juco you see a lot of people quit i had a lot of kids on my team quit baseball because it was like too harsh and stuff like that but that's what i can respect about division one schools compared to juco's kids don't quit man like they'll they'll stay they'll stay the course right is that what you kind of notice there yeah, well, see, so the difference between JUCO and Division One, JUCO, you're you're there for your team, but at the same time, you were trying to get yourself known and go somewhere. Yeah, Division One, you're trying to build a culture together that says, "Hey, if we can tough it out through this with everybody, who's to say we can't go tough out a, a national championship?" Yeah, yeah. No. And so we finally got those life vests done correctly. Finally got the boats rowed up, and then we're out there in freezing cold weather. And they make us get in the water. You had to, oh you had two God. groups and you had to lock arms and you had to walk down into the water without falling or losing your chain link with your arms. That's hell. That is. Sure I, enough, there's a video on Texas A&M's Twitter page of us going through that. I, let me see if I can find it and I'll send it to you. Yeah, send it to me. It's, send it to me. I'll post it. It shows us treading in that water people on their backs kicking water into other people's face, just all kinds of stuff. At one point we had to do like a pendulum swing where one side had to go out and then come back in while the others didn't leave the bank. So are there like Navy SEALs leading these workouts, just screaming yeah. in your face? Yeah, the, we, we had guys that, that had confirmed kills on battle. Oh, my God. Yeah, but these guys, they taught us – they taught me personally, and I know a lot of other guys, a lot of life – uh life lessons through all this yeah for sure man for sure and um let's go so your junior year you get drafted after i believe it's after your junior year right you i mean obviously if you're sophomore sophomore year you get drafted you're only a year at blinn spent a year at blinn and a year at a yeah so that that's how you can get away with not playing your junior year if you do the year year right uh juco well i was i was 21 years old in april that sophomore so if you're 21 you can draft eligible as sophomore okay so you only you were only at texas a&m for one year and you had a pretty good year man i mean i believe it was like a 319 era 38 appear 38 games 38 appearances man so what was going right for you that year and what was the biggest adjustment that you would say you had to make going from juco juco hitters to division one hitters um it's not five or six guys that are solid in a lineup you have a a whole one through nine Everybody's solid. Everybody can hit. And um, I came in in the fall, and I had a terrible fall. Velo was down. I had no movement. Um, I was 88 to 89, just not what I was doing the summer before. I just kind of get into a slump. And so I kept working at it, kept working at it, tried a few different things. Nothing was working. And then finally we went and had a scrimmage against Rice um, right down the street in Houston. And when I was warming up, I was warming up with um, Brandon Birdsell, who's now – he went to San Jack, and I'm pretty sure he just got picked up in the draft. Uh, I was throwing with him, and I noticed his arm slot was about an inch higher than mine. I was always a three-fourths, but I just kind of raised it a little bit. And everything was coming out fluid, and sure enough, I was in to close the 12th inning. We played two six-inning games. And when I was in the pen, everything felt amazing. It felt electric. And then when I got out there, it was an easy three up, three down, boom, game over. Hell yes. And I, I didn't, I never once looked at the scoreboard to see Velo. And as I'm walking back to the dugout after I shook my teammates' hands, Rob Childress comes out there and he shakes my hand and he goes, "Hey, Rob Childress, nice to meet you." I said, "Casey Collick, nice to meet you too." 
And one of the guys, John Doxakis, who was phenomenal when I was there, and now he's with uh, Tampa Bay, he, uh, he walked up to me and he goes, dude, do you know how hard you were throwing? I said, no, I never once checked the board. He said, dude, you were 95, 96. You're kidding. Word of God. Oh, my and God. And that's where it clicked. I kept that from fall through December and then on into spring, and it just stayed. So, for you, it was kind of you were getting in your own head when you were pitching because you were looking at velo the whole time and also the arm slot. Is that what was kind of doing it for you? I wasn't really in my head. I knew I had better velo. I just didn't know what was going on. I tried to look at everything and trying to figure out mechanically what was wrong, and I just wasn't able to find it. And sure enough, uh, a simple just lift of an arm slot did it. Wow. I wish it was that easy for me. I, if that would have yeah. clicked for me, that would have been incredible. I mean, and then of course, the, the steroid bashing started coming out. Oh, the, you, the NCAA must have randomly piss test you after you started hitting 95, huh? Oh, yeah. Pretty much every time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> How cool is that, though? That's like the biggest big league thing ever. That's when you know you're doing well, though. That's when you know that you're was, doing that well. That was big energy. It is, it's, it is BDE, man, because that's, oh, yeah. that's when in your head you're like, oh, Oh, so now NCAA wants to piss test me. I must be doing some <laughs> shit right, man. How yeah. cool was that? I didn't, I didn't have a single one all fall. Then once Rice comes, sure enough, a month later, hey, <laughs> we need you to come take a test. Yes, man. That is like – see, that's the coolest thing ever. And people could say, like, steroids are good for baseball. They might just be. They might just be good for baseball. I like watching Barry Bonds. It's just the coolest thing ever when people accuse you of taking steroids when you're not. It's the coolest thing ever because it's all natural, man. It's incredible, man. And, and speaking about that, talk about how cool that is, being on the bump and throwing 95-plus and just hearing the of the ball go to the catcher's glove. Like, how cool is that shit? It's the coolest thing ever. It has to be. Uh, it is, but I, honestly, in that moment, I was so locked in, I heard absolutely nothing. Wow. It, it, was, it was almost like I, I had become deaf. Like, I didn't hear a single thing. It's almost like I blacked out. I don't remember a single thing. It's like the last pitch was thrown game over, and I'm like, whoa, where did it – what happened? Dude, and, like – and the underrated role in baseball for me is a closer. It's the coolest shit ever. Is it? Is it not? Is the coolest – It coolest, is. I mean, it's, it? it's honestly – I feel like it's the most pressurized situation in baseball. It really is, man, because the thing about the closer is, is like – you're kind of the big hoss in the bullpen, right? The guys are looking at you like when this guy's warming up, the boys are buzzing. We're winning, right? I mean, this is this is the guy yeah, we trust. There's with. kind of that energy going on. Yeah, there is, sure. man. Can you can you claim it on here? Can you claim on here that your ideal goal is to be the Braves closer in the next couple of years? Like, let's state For that. Sure. Let's state that narrative. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's obviously the goal. That's the that's a great goal because let me tell you something. When you're on the Braves, you got the whole this sh- this shit going on when the when the Braves are buzzing. Love it. The fans and people obviously if you're listening it's the Tomahawk shop, one of the most scary ever when the 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 Braves park, the lights go dim and there's just a ton of people doing this scary ass Tomahawk Did I say Tomahawk? Tomahawk shop. Tomahawk shop. <laughs> And it's just incredible. So the closer role is something that, for sure, you can have a Nickelback song because right when you hear that at the start of uh, <laughs> Burn It to the Ground, the whole crowd just That's- raises and you're just running 500 miles an hour out of the bullpen. It is electric. Have you pictured that before running out of the Braves bullpen? I have. I, I can't lie and say I haven't because I have. <laughs> I mean, it's even even at A and M when I picked it, I I envisioned what it would be, and sure enough, when that song came on, it was like everything just became silent, and all I heard was the music and the sound of the glove. Dude. It's it's a lot of people don't understand that, but I'm telling you, it's a real thing. You see it in movies where it's like the crowd always hushes, like in Major League or in something, and the crowd hushes, and it's just in that moment, it legit happens. It does. It's a and true speaking thing. about just absolutely coming out of the bullpen and carving, I mean, we talked about this yesterday. We texted about it. Your last year, I mean, last year with the Braves, um, you played in Rome. My yeah, you played half season. You played in, for the Gulf Coast team, and then you played for the Rome Braves. Two pretty good teams. Mm-hmm. You had a 125 ERA. I mean, that's just unfair. 
How good was it going for you last year, man? I mean, just to come into your first professional, I mean, your professional baseball debut and to just absolutely put hitters in your back pocket. I mean, what was that like for you, man? I mean, it must have been just incredible. It was, it was incredible, but it was honestly a tough ride as well. I had – so from being in college to going to pro ball, there was a few mechanical issues that I had. I didn't have my best stuff. And so fighting through all of that, um, trying to get it figured out and get my mechanics back, uh, just found ways to get out. Like just competed with, uh, with every pitch. If something wasn't working, I had to play up on something else. Fastball's working, but uh, – backside cutter or sliders not working well then we got to up play the two seam yeah run them in inside yeah. no it's just like if i if i'm looking at it and i love how this guy i love how casey over here is trying to make it look like i mean i just i didn't have my best stuff you had a 125 era for the people at home if that's not your best stuff then w- then the hitters in the minors are going to be scared next year for this that you're going to start to be bringing man and you have a cool story we I texted so. about it you played your whole life, yeah. pitching your whole life with an injury, and you still were at 98, 95, just lighting the gun up. Talk about that injury you just mysteriously found out about. All right. Well, junior year of high school, um, we were lifting, and my high school coach, they thought Olympic lifts were still good for baseball players, which they weren't. And so we were hand cleaning for max, and I tried getting <laughs> – I tried getting – I think it was either 255 or 275 up and I didn't get my elbows through. And so my elbows came down on my knees and the bar rolled oh. off the backside of my wrist. And I heard two snaps. Jesus. And so of course there was pain and it stiffened up for a while, but it never hurt enough for me to think anything was fractured. And then in the fall, um, this past off season, I was working out at A&M and I was on a slide board getting lateral movements. And as I was, trying to walk off because there's a little bit of extra grease on it. I slipped and I fell on it. And that's when the bone really displaced. And so played through, played through a broken bone for four years. It finally displaced. I couldn't do anything. So I went and got an x-ray, found out it was fractured, talked to the hand specialist for the Braves. And he was like, yeah, this, this thing's been broken for four years. There was arthritis buildup, calcium deposits, all kinds of stuff. And so January I had surgery, put a double-sided screw in it, three different bone grafts, and then was in a cast for about seven months. So this is a dumb question. And like people are gonna be like, this guy's the biggest moron ever. When you're going through TSA and you're going through security, does your arm light up the gun there? This is such an idiot question. I haven't been through it yet. I haven't been through it. The the most they stopped me for was the cast just to make sure I wasn't (laughs) Wasn't transporting yeah. drugs, but other than that, it didn't really beep. I don't think the metal's big enough. Yeah, to that's set just it my off. dumb brain going at it. I mean, I'm sorry. I just I, I just don't know what to say. <laughs> I had to ask it. I just had to ask that question. And how your dad? My dad. He's got a. Oh my god, that must be just <laughs> shitty. Everyone must be just looking at your dad and being like, "Jesus Christ, man, what the hell is this guy carrying?" Yeah, no, it gets pat down every time. It's now to the point where he just wants to drive wherever we go. <laughs> He'll drive, we'll fly. Yo, what a shitty bounce that is, man. That's a shitty bounce. Let's go back into the into, into playing with it. Do you you obviously haven't thrown yet, right? You haven't just you haven't started throwing or anything no. like that. Do you kind of no. feel like it's going to be just a little bit different for you? It's going to be like a little bit more smoother. The fact that you're not throwing with a broken wrist or whatever you were playing, like it just. Do you think it's going to be way easier for you? Um, I don't think it's going to be easier. I think it's going to be hard getting back to my mechanics, but for sure, I think I'm going to come a lot stronger. Um, I'm not going to feel restricted on how to throw stuff because of pain, but. Um, I truly believe it's it was a godsend that it happened in this time, and I'm not going to miss an inning of baseball. Dude, what a um, what a bounce, right? I mean, it, it, you yeah. find this out when there's no minor league season, so now you get to go into next year fully healthy. Like it's it's a great bounce, man. You're not missing any service time. It is. You're not missing any time. It's just, it, it's a pretty pretty lucky way to look at it, man. And yes, it sucks to get an injury because it kind of sets you back in your development a little bit, but. I mean, not really though, right? I mean, you're kind of no. Uh, if I would have, if this wouldn't have happened, that bone would have completely died off, and I wouldn't have been able to get it surgery. Yeah, that, the whole bottom side of it was dead. Wow, really? Yeah. Holy shit, man! Well, what was the Braves? 
God, look, what was the Braves hand special doing? Like he was looking at you like this guy's a full blown psychopath pitching with. Yeah. He, um, he told me, he goes, you must be a tough son of a. <laughs> yeah, man. It, dude, literally like I, I got hurt. Uh, one time I was trying to fire my team up. We were playing on turf. I was running six feet to first base and rolled my ankle in doing in and out. Jeez. So, I mean, I'm just the softest guy on the planet compared to what you just did. And, um, <laughs> and well, let's talk about your time in Rome because Rome, the Rome Braves, I kind of like their logo. I think it's just an electric logo, just an electric, um, electric minor league team. You just talk about the trenches. What was your time like yeah. in Rome? Because I know it was obviously a little bit shorter than most people spend yeah. there, but I heard they get a pretty good amount of fans there. Yeah, um, it, for being a low A team, it it honestly was. It was they had a decent show out pretty much to every home game. Um, of course, the whole stadium lit up whenever we had Dansby Swanson come down there and play on his rehab, yeah. and then also Austin Riley. What a oh god! So those were some packed houses, and it was cool getting to meet those guys. They're amazing dudes. Um, Dansby's phenomenal, and so is Austin. They they got in there, and it wasn't even like there was a big leaguer in there. They were just one of the guys, and so that was a lot of fun to be about. And then um, it was honestly a slow a slow pace while we were there, probably only getting two innings a week. Yeah. Um, throw one day and then be off for five, just considering coming out of college. So it was hard to also find another kind of rhythm to get back into, going from throwing pretty much – Every midweek and every almost every uh, weekend game at A and M. I mean, I'm throwing two, three, four times a week. Yeah. And so, um, but I loved it there. We had great coaches. Um, Matt Tui Asasopo was our uh, manager, and then we had uh, Kanakoa Texjera, who spent a little bit of time in the bigs. Phenomenal pitching coach, by the way. He knows the game very well. Taught me a lot of things. And then uh, Bobby Moore was a hitting coach. So, I mean, it was a great place. We had a great coaching staff. Um, it was honestly probably the best thing for me going right into pro ball. Um, great chemistry as a team got in there, and uh, we all just clicked. And I got to ask you about a couple guys that play with the Braves that we've had, a couple guys that are my boys. Um, what is Kyle Muller like? I know you've, you maybe spent a little bit of time with him. What is he like in the locker room, man? Because that guy is – is he's electric. I mean, every time he comes on this show, he puts asses in the seats. What's Kyle Muller yeah. like? Um, I didn't get to spend a lot of time with him. Whenever I was at spring training, of course, I was injured. Um, and then he was at big league spring training. But just seeing him around the facility, um, there was one time he was walking through the weight room, and I was like, just thinking to myself, I was like, damn, dude, how, how can I get that big? And so I just blurted out, just as he was walking by, I was like, dude, you're a specimen. He goes, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> he's just dude he he's such a good guy man it's crazy yeah, he's such a good guy, guy dude and he, he hit 100 last week i don't know if you heard that oh i know i saw that big fan of it i mean that's just the triple digits we, he puts the work in though he's <laughs> he he definitely puts his time in he deserves that and what and you like like we talked about you've been in the minors for a short period of time but What's kind of your funniest minor league story so far, like playing in a ballpark with where it's like dollar beer night or just a fan getting after you? Like, what's a funny minor league story you have so far throughout your career? Um, honestly, I mean, there's not – I don't really have a story. Um, but I know whenever we sat in the bullpen, man, bullpen conversations need to be televised. <laughs> yes. I will say that bullpen conversations need to be televised, especially in the minors. That is some of the funniest times I've ever been or I've ever had at a baseball stadium. It just, I feel like what, and I could be wrong on this, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. Bullpen conversations is like, is like two guys sitting on a couch high, just talking about random shit. Is that what you can compare it to? <laughs> I mean, I guess so. It, I mean, it's just two guys like just. It's like two dudes sitting at a bar that have drank way too much, and now they're just onto every topic that they can think of. It's pretty much a podcast. Like it's pretty much this. Yeah, you you put a microphone out there, you you definitely get views, <laughs> dude. It's like because first off, it's just two guys just equally struggling through life. 
Well, I mean, just having shitty meals, shitty bus rides, shitty hotels, <laughs> and you're just in a you're in a bullpen and God knows where. Like you're in just God's country. And you're just yeah. talking to your this guy who I mean, you're both minor leaguers, just having the weirdest combos ever. That should be Dude, a we thing. had four guys in the pen. Yeah. Every game. Yeah. And so I mean, it was always something. We were either talking trash to uh the other outfielder or somehow we find out the same uh, walkie talkie comms as the other team. And we'd get on there. We have one team at the end of the season, they brought a speaker into their bullpen. No. And somehow we got, we were able to get in contact with them through the, uh, uh, through the walkie talkie and we had song requests and they played them for us. That, they, wait a second. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Let me, let me backpedal for a second. So you're telling me this stadium didn't have speakers and they had the speaker in their bullpen. No, these guys, so it was in Rome. The The stadium had speakers, but during the game, this other bullpen, they weren't in contingency to go to playoffs or anything. They brought their own speaker into their bullpen <laughs> at Rome, into the visitor bullpen, and were playing music loud and just having a good time. And so we sent them over some song requests. They, uh, they played them for us. Oh, we got along pretty well. That's incredible. I mean, it just – that's so minor league baseball. It doesn't get talked about enough. That's electric. <laughs> I mean, just just seeing that kind of stuff. And what is like a weird city, I guess, you kind of visited during your time at Rome where you're like Asheville, Asheville. North Carolina, Asheville. What's the name of that team? The Asheville. Um, oh, my gosh. I can't remember. I'll have to search that out. That's going to. They had a pretty neat stadium, though. Asheville. It was up on the side of a hill. And they had this giant wall that just led to this jungle of kudzu. Or something oh. like just green, and it led up to the hill, and there oh, was yeah. like a little foot. I'm looking at it right now. What a what a field! The tourists, the Asheville yeah, tourists. The tourists wow. Yeah, that time actually a series there. I threw, I piped a fastball to this guy, and he hit a shot back up the middle. It was two outs, runners on third, and it actually swiped, like swiped my ass, and like <laughs> it kind of. Slipped down and the second baseman filled it barehanded it boom we were done kind of slowed it down for him but man it hurt what an assist well i mean well, yeah that's what it said why wasn't that on like twitter why wasn't that all over twitter that's i mean that's a lot i don't know but I, I mean i played it off like it didn't hit me but sure enough the next day i felt it i couldn't sit down who's kind of the best guy you've kind of seen so far throughout your minor league career like a hitter on another team or even your team where like this guy's going to be in the big league for 15 to 20 years um, well, I've seen two or three guys. I mean, all, I've, I hope all these guys make it someday or have a lasting career. But obviously, the guys that I, I played with with college, Braden Shoemaker is amazing. But, yeah. He competes. Um, Shay Langoliers, catcher out of Baylor, mm-hmm. who was drafted the same year I was. Great guy. Glad I got to meet him and play with him. He's best defensive catcher I've probably ever had. Um. And then a late pick, which we we call him the 2019 steal of the draft, Bryce Ball out of Dallas Baptist. He can he can bang with the best. Isn't that just the country name? Just Bryce Ball. Like that's a big yeah, league. Out of name. Ohio, 6'8", 260, just a unit. That's a like that's like that's a big league name. And you low key kind of have a, like a, a country name. I mean, Casey Ray. What a name. Like, I mean, just yeah. it's just what a name. Casey Ray. I, that's just electric, right? I mean, you just love to Got see Got it from this. my grandpa. Yep. I mean, that's that's an incredible name. It's just a big league name. And KR would be an, a KRK would be an incredible nickname for you. Maybe just throw that out there. I don't know if that's if people call that. What's your nickname? Do you have a nickname rolling around the minors? Uh, when I played basketball in high school, they called me 2K. 2K. Okay. Okay. That That's electric. Like, that's incredible. That's a nickname. <laughs> Um, and then a funnier one when I was at AM, I got called Dumpy. Why is that? I mean, that's I, I thought that's a low key chirp there, but why? Why? I mean, I had a, I had a little bit of a velo pouch. Oh, but I mean, that just that just comes with family genetics. Okay, and so I mean, it just kind of stuck. So I don't know how, but somehow, okay. So funny story behind that in Rome, somehow my pitching coach got word that my nickname was Dumpy, and I asked him, dude, how did you know that? He goes, it was in your player profile. I was like, what? There's no way. Could you imagine that just be just randomly being in your player profile, just dumpy? 
Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure you picked up off of you calling me that because that's that's my nickname for Maine, which I mean, it's fine. It's stuck with it. I mean, kind of take it off the chin and just go with it. Yeah, no, I mean, let's get sentimental here for a second because let's talk about your draft day. You get drafted high, man. I mean, fourth round is I it's it's a big paycheck to say the least. You just love to see it. Um, yeah. What was draft day like for you, man? I mean, were you expected to go fourth round or were you expected to go a little bit earlier? Um, we were looking more fourth or fifth round, but it was kind of hectic. So we got done, we got done with a game and, um, I had some family in town, my mom, my brother-in-law, my niece and nephew, and then my sister. And so we were in college station. Of course, they brought two laptops and we were eating at a little taco shack called Fuego. If you ever go to college station, if you ever make it down there, go to Fuego, any Aggie or College Station resident will back me up on that amazing food. And so we're sitting there and I'm waiting for my agent to give me a call. And then third round goes by. I'm like, all right, so we're not third round. We weren't really looking for that. And then fourth round starts. I'm like, shoot, we can't just get stuck here. And so my grandparents live in Caldwell, which is about 25 minutes away from uh, College Station. So my brother-in-law and I hop in my truck while they, my mom and my sister load up the kids into a different vehicle and we start hauling ass to Caldwell. And so we get there and he starts calling me. He's like, Hey, we're looking at this. The Braves also want you here, blah, blah, blah. And I'm trying to get this laptop set up on the TV to display the draft. And sure enough, he's like, Hey, Braves want you right here at the 127 marker. What do you say? I'm like, yeah, let's go for it. Sure enough, we get the laptop plugged in and right away, it boom, comes up. Wow. And so I was able to see it, but it happened so quickly. And then sure enough, saw my name, what they talked about. And then I got a call from the scout who drafted me. And he was like, hey, man, how you doing? How you feeling? I said, I'm good. He's like, all right, we're going to get you here and talk with these guys. We need you up here in like four or five days. Okay. And so after that, went back to College Station, packed up, went home said my goodbyes, and then on the, oh, what was it, the 12th? The the 8th and 9th, we got on a flight, went to Atlanta, got to go to one of the games, got to see the atmosphere live, which was great. I mean, what a story. It happened fast. That, that happened, like, that moved so fast, just getting drafted, then you're in, you're at the, the Braves field, you're probably in a press yeah. box. You, did you meet Alex Anthopoulos? No. They they put us in the the Delta Club seats. So, I mean, they were cushioned seats. They were nice right behind home plate. You'd love to see that. But uh, you love it, was, it was a fun time. Uh, I got to go see – I got to go look around the stadium, go through the ins and outs, see the see the behind-the-scenes kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, went and saw the trainer, had a minor physical there, and then – Went and signed, got to see the car garage, all that stuff, which is uh, – that's electric right there. What, what's, uh, what's some of the cool cars you saw? Because I believe Nolan told me Freddie Freeman or someone else has just a whip, like just the sickest car ever. Like what, what? – Yeah, so that's when uh, Josh Donaldson was there, okay. and I got to see his um, his Porsche. Oh, my gosh. It was, no, it was his Ferrari. And I'm pretty sure the seats were stitched with baseball seams. Oh, must be nice. That was a pretty that was a pretty cool one. And then I'm obviously a truck guy. And so uh I think Ronald Acuna or Ozzy Albies had a lifted GMC, which I'm not a fan of GMC. I'm a Ford guy. Yeah. Built for tough ranch company. Built for tough. Representing. Built for tough, yeah. Yes. And um <laughs> they, it was just cool. Um I mean, just to see the amount of money just sitting there was was kind of spectacular. What was the first purchase you made? Because I saw you bought a truck, right? Um well, I bought me a 2017 white two-tone tan King Ranch F250. There it is. There it is. I mean, that is just country strong right there, man. I mean, I, I'm going to have to post a picture of it. Like, that's just an electric <laughs> vehicle. That's it's just an electric vehicle. It, it sounds like it. I mean, so you're a big hunting guy, right? Is that why you bought the truck and all that? Um, no, I bought the truck because it was a dream truck, and I got a good price on it. Uh, I knew the guy that was selling it. He's a good friend of ours. For 20 plus years and so I wanted to experience that that kind of dream vehicle uh, but yeah I am a huge hunter and fisher I love it out in the outdoors 
<clears throat> sorry, so let's go into that draft day again for a second, though, because I talked about this with Nolan, with Nolan who's in the Braves system, and I've talked about this with Kyler, with uh, Kyle. You guys have so many pitching prospects. Is that not a little bit intimidating, just looking down that prospect list, and you just have a Bible of, like, Tucker Davidson, Kyle Muller. Is, it, is that not a little bit intimidating? Obviously, you're a guy that's a dog on the mound, one three, one two five ERA, whatever, not a big deal. But is that not a little bit intimidating, especially getting drafted by a team like that? Uh, no, I don't think so. I've never shied away from competition. I feel like it just pushes you to that next level and really brings out the maximum potential. What an answer. I mean, what an answer. And for those, for those who are saying, I mean, Casey's a scared guy. That's just big balls right there. Just throwing them on the table. Just saying, I love this shit. <laughs> I love the competition, man. And I do. And how, and but let's talk about this year. I mean, this year, baseball is obviously not a thing for minor leaguers. Yeah. How tough was that for you when you found out? And where, where were you when you found out there's no minor league baseball this year? I was at our spring training facility in Northport, Florida, just like all the other guys. And uh, they pulled us into this big room and they were like, hey, uh, just come down from commissioner's office. We're shutting down spring training. We don't want to pan or we don't want to outbreak within organizations. And so they were like, um, you can go see these guys for your travel money. If you're flying, these are the buses and when they're going. And then sure enough, that night, uh, a lot of the guys, we hung out together for a little while longer. And then we packed up and the next morning I was on the road back to, back to Texas, made a pit stop with one of the guys in the organization in Mississippi and got to meet his family and have a pretty good time out there in the sticks. Oh, the sticks. I mean, just the way you say it, I love it, man. I love it. And can you tell, and I always ask this to my guests because you kind of have a country accent, which the people, by the way, are going to love because people just <laughs> love country accent. Can you kind of tell a little bit of a Canadian accent going on here with me? Or if yeah, you even know your A's, the way you pronounce your A's, I can see it. There, I, I love to hear that. And I, can, do you like hearing that you have a country accent? Is that something you kind of have pride towards? Uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of guys from Texas take a lot of pride from being from Texas. A lot of people do. Oh, dude, I love Texas, to be honest. Like, and it's just a cool state, dude. Like, I mean, you got the high school football games where it looks like – it literally looks like a Friday Night Lights movie. Every game oh, yeah. is just insane. Allen High School or Allen High School. Yeah. What was your high school like? Million dollar. Was your high school like that with, with uh, the football games on, the week, on Friday? Uh, yeah, we had we had a decent stadium. So before I was in high school, they had one single high school in Victoria called Memorial High School. Yeah. About four years before I was ready to go to high school, they split and made East and West. And so from there, we used that old high school stadium as kind of a mutual stadium. Mm -hmm. Okay. But so uh, it was still always packed houses. I mean, stadium held 10,000 people. Yeah, no, for sure, man. And and here's a suggestion I have for you because you're a closer, so I can definitely suggest this. When you're in the bullpen, you're getting ready to come in. You're an electric guy. You got bird it to the ground, buzzing on the speakers. Have you ever thought about smelling salts? Maybe get you going a little bit? Uh, yeah, at A&M we had, um, oh, my gosh, what are they called? They used them in, uh, yeah, ammonia. We had oh those, and we would crack them, and everybody would take a sniff. <laughs> Talk that, about getting senses going. Does oh that shit God. not wake you up? It just makes oh, you feel like a million bucks. Yeah, it does. I'm actually, whenever I start playing again, I'm buying them. Yeah, dude. It just. It, and first of all, how I cool, mean, just sitting there in the bullpen for nine innings, just sitting there waiting, and kind of the energy level goes down. Shoot, take one of those and you crack it. Get on the mound. You know, maybe shotgun a Red Bull real quick. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Yes. That makes baseball fun, man. And how cool yeah, does that is. look when you got Casey in the bullpen cracking some smelling salts or pneumonia or, pneumo or whatever it's called, snorting, <laughs> it, snorting it, throwing it to the side and just coming out guns ablazing to burn it to the ground. I want to see that. I want to be there for that, man. Well, next one's going to be kickstart my heart. That's oh, my God. I mean, the next walk up. you're just, you're just, I mean, you pretty much just listen to me and my friend's playlist because that's one of the tunes that gets the boys going. Kickstart my heart, Motley Crue. That's, that's what I grew up on. Yeah. I, 
I, you're an electric factory, man. I mean, you just love to see it. I mean, there's there's no other way to describe besides that. So do you tech, do you kind of have all of your walkout songs kind of pre-planned? So like next year is going to be Kickstart My Heart. The year I think after. So, yeah, it'll be Kickstart My Heart. Oh, you think so? Okay, I mean. I'll either go through that one or I'll go through same old situation considering closing. Yeah. It's kind of ironic. It is ironic. Dude, you are a showman. You're like in the you're like a WWE superstar or some shit the way you're thinking right now, man. I love to see it. I love to see it. And we'll go in. This is my last question. Um, just basically just kind of going into this offseason and stuff like that. What is your specific cert actually no second last question? Because last question is gonna be way cooler than this. What is okay. your specific goal going into next spring training? Like, are you looking to go into next spring training like being close to that triple digit closer kind of guy? Is that one of your goals? Um, my biggest goal is coming back stronger than when I left. Okay. So coming back with a right mindset, um, obviously prepared. I mean, taking, taking baseball away from me, or I feel like a lot of guys would feel this way too. Taking the game away that you love for seven months really shows you and humbles you and creates this mindset of even being more of a dog. Yeah. So I used to, I loved going to the weight room, but I live in the weight room now five days, six days a week. I used to live in it three days a week, but I would kill myself those three days. Now it's killing myself five days a week trying to cut back weight that I've gained and come back stronger searching for those triple digits, which that's not the overall goal. The overall goal is just being better um, and smarter with the game and uh, obviously producing. You don't produce, you don't play. I mean, yeah, no, that definitely makes sense, man. I mean, especially just when you get something taken away from you, just like live sports, like going to concerts, all that kind of stuff. It kind of yep. makes you kind of cherish it, right? It mm-hmm. makes you just cherish it once it comes back and like be like, this could get taken away from us whenever, man, like yeah. a pandemic or anything like that. 100%. And the, actually, this is my second last question. What is your thoughts on how the Major League Baseball season is going with no fans? Like, do you kind of, do you kind of see it as weird or – What's your I think there is a way there is a way that you can social distance fans and stands. Yeah. There is a way to do that. Yeah. I think I mean shoot max capacity is like 48,000. You can take 25% of that and space them out. Having just someone there making different noise rather than having paper cutouts and noise being played yeah. over the sound system. Like, I think there's a way to do it, but at the same time, I understand that they're taking every precaution to keep the player safe because the money invested. Yeah. And not trying to contaminate the entire stadium, which is understandable. But I think there could be ways to manage and put fans in stance to make something feel at least realistic. Well, I mean, looking I think at, the family should be at least able to go. Well, looking at it, right, I mean, they'd ha- the, it'd be very difficult for the people that work there to have to disinfect every single night, right? Disinfect all that yeah. shit, man. It would be so tough. Like it, it would, true. it would be hell on earth. I mean, I want to go to live game. I want to go to Jay's games to get blackout drunk, like I used to. I miss that. <laughs> I miss that shit. I mean, I miss it. Now I can't do it. I can only do it at home now. Watch the Jay's games. Watch the Braves games. Right? It's yeah. it's, it's definitely difficult, man. And I just want. I just hope they don't take away college football. Like, that's the one thing. Like, it's going to suck, though, with no fans, right? It's going to be so shitty. A&M's not going away, but I've heard the ACC and I think Big, Big Ten. Ten. Yeah. They're gone. Yeah. SEC's in play. I mean, Florida has already scheduled to come to College Station, and I plan on being there. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I mean, when they open the borders up, I have to come to Texas now. I want to see. I mean, I'm a Michigan guy, but I need to see what these college football games are like. I mean, I it, in, 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 down in the South because it's just a whole other ball game there, man. I mean, first of yeah, all, it's, it'd be a great time. And I've heard just based off of like the tailgate stuff, it's just an electric factory. Even the pregame, oh my gosh. postgame, the, the entrance is probably the most electrifying thing. That will never get old. Yeah, the drum cadence. If you haven't looked that up, look it up on YouTube. Texas A&M football entrance drum cadence. Oh. They have they sometimes put GoPros on the football helmets. It's just so, God, it's yeah. insane. Yeah, that's just I mean, damn! I, I you have one hundred and ten thousand people singing "Power." Yeah. Oh my God, man! And it's just I'm not gonna be able to watch Michigan this year. But I can look at this on both ways because I'm a Michigan guy. I don't have to watch Michigan lose to Ohio State this year, so it's a plus. <laughs> I mean, it, it's technically a plus this year for me. So it's not it could it's not the worst case. And this is my last question here. Please God keep college football, by the way. Um, 
to my last question because I, let's start a, let's start a debate here. What is cooler for a pitcher, blowing 98-99 past a guy or buckling someone on a curveball or slider or change piece? What, do you, what is cooler in your opinion? Heat. Heat? It is. Blowing what? something by a guy and knowing that he knows he can't touch that and you know it too, best feeling in the world. Dude, and like I said, I've been on the receiving end of a lot of blown by fastballs, and it's it, it's the most demoralizing, if that's even the word thing. <laughs> it's the most demoralizing thing ever to seeing a fastball get blown right past you, where the pitcher looks at you and he's like, "I own your ass." Like play. I, I mean, mean, I'm also a fan of the buckles as well, because the buckles more embarrassing though, right? I mean, it's a tough debate, but I kind of want to start it. I'm going to start asking that to every pitcher we get on here. Well, because- here, look, I'm going to send something to you. This All is right. why. This is why I'm a fan of the buckles. Let me see if I can find it real quick. It shouldn't take long. Yeah, though, I mean, the buckles is kind of cool, though, man, because you make Pitching Ninja. It's a little bit cool. I don't know, man. I, I'm kind of mad this didn't make Pitching Ninja, but it should have become a meme. Yours? Oh, yeah. And I'm going to post this from the account for the people wondering. They're saying, like, this is just terrible radio. I'm going to post it from the account just so people can see. Just people can see our guy here kind of carving asses up. Yeah. I mean – I mean, this should have made Pitching Ninja. I'm going to post this to hype up that you're coming on the podcast. 14,000 views. My favorite is that the the caption is, meanwhile in Austin. You love to see that. There you have it, folks. I mean, just a guy that's going to be – that's going to be closing for the Atlanta Braves sometime in the near future, man. You're just going to love to see it. He's going to be a fan favorite, just coming out of the bullpen, blasting some Motley crew to get the old-timers going, yes. get the kids going. He is Atlanta Braves prospect, former Texas A&M Aggie, Casey Colick. Casey Colick. Hey, third time's charm. We'll get it right. And there it is. There it is. So, anyways, man, I thank you for hopping on this. I really appreciate it. And uh, what an electric interview. What, what an electric interview to cap off the year anniversary. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you for having me, man. This is great. There it uh, is. If you ever invite, I'll definitely make another uh, another appearance. There it is. Yeah, recurring guest, ladies and gentlemen. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Officially Unofficial. Make sure you guys subscribe and leave a review on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Pod and on Instagram at Officially Unofficial Pod. Thank you.